Hi there. You're listening to Melanie Morgan from the Globe Gazette. And we are back for another episode of 2021, 10 Successful Years of the Historic Park Inn. Returning to the show to talk more history with us is Pat Schultz. Welcome back, Pat. Oh, thank you. It's good to be back. Um, this time we're talking about the hotel in um, interim years. Um, you know, after it had opened and had its grand opening and, and everything was all exciting and going well. When it opened in 1910, it was Mason City's finest hotel. Um, maybe you'll recall from uh, other podcasts, it had over 40 rooms in the European style. And that meant those rooms measured 10 by 10 and had shared bathrooms. Um, during this time period, when the State Women's Suffrage Conference was going to be held in Mason City, in all of their literature that it went out to the members, it was the top recommended hotel for the ladies registering. But in 1922, a new hotel opened in Mason City, just a few blocks north of the Park Inn, owned by Charles Hanford McNider and named to honor his mother's family. It offered 250 larger rooms on seven floors. Um, for Mason City, that was a skyscraper. Each had its own bathroom. Uh, the lawyer Blythe who was on the City National Bank's board of directors and owned a lot the Park Inn Hotel along with his partner was just always in competition with McNider after um, they had had a, a major political fight. Um, not only was, had he um, just opened the Hanford Hotel, earlier he opened the City National Bank um, just diagonally across the corner from the Park Inn and it was six stories high. And so the style was hardly prairie style, both very different. But the, the dispute between the two men came uh, when Blythe, who had served in the Iowa legislature, uh, was leader of the Republican Party. But in his last campaign, McNider supported his opponent. And um, this was all within the Republican Party. And it proved quite a nasty fight and Blythe lost. And the animosity between the two would last their lifetimes. And the hotel suffered from the competition. I mean, this new one was bigger and better. Um, however, it continued to operate until 1972. Um, it did offer lower rate accommodations throughout the time under all the leadership of a variety of managers. There were several of them. It became better known actually for its restaurants than for its hotel rooms. Um, but those continued in use as a lower priced option than the Hanford. There were a lot of things that went on that were interesting though in this time period, even the hotel rooms were not as desirable as they had been. Um, during the 1920s, a popular Chinese restaurant occupied part of the first floor. At the same time, in, you know, in the bank after it had all been remodeled, on the main floor was a tobacco store. And my mother who used to walk past both on her way to the high school, said it was a terrible mixture of strong cells from both the Chinese restaurant and the tobacco shop. So uh, I always enjoyed that story from her. Um, the hotel did serve a unique purpose in the 20s, 30s and 40s. The surf ballroom opened in Clear Lake, as you know, just a few miles away. And it drew many of the top bands of the time, 
you have a favorite of one of those big time old bands? Well, I'd say Buddy Holly would probably be a big one and one of the most memorable. Okay, but we're way before your time. Oh yeah. Um, I, I have uh, a band wanted to make its reputation nationally. It had to come play the surf and they all came. Count Basie, Duke Ellington, the Dorseys, Glenn Miller, Lawrence Welk, all of them made regular stops and played at the surf. Um, but quite often a band would be missing a player or two who were ill or had another commitment or whatever. And the band leader would look, be looking for local musicians to fill those spots. And the Park Inn became the gathering place for the locals waiting for one of those band leaders to, to arrive and say, hey, I need a sax player tonight or an alto sax player or I need a whatever. And um, you know, he would pick one of the people that, who were there waiting. And so the local would perform with the band, with the big band at, at the surf. I'm sure that was exciting, um, you know, for the local people who were involved. And after the performance at the surf, the band members would all come back to the hotel for a very early um, breakfast and um, get together. And, you know, the locals would talk with the traveling um, band members and so it, it really did become an important hangout for um, area musicians. And as I said, they would um, all come in. Um, by 1935, um, things started to change again. Blythe sold his half, in, half interest to his partner, Markley, um, who continued to own it until he died. Um, he died in 1939. And it passed to his daughter, Marion Page. Um, and she kept that ownership until 1945, but then she sold it to Clarence Ellingson. And Ellingson and his whole family were established in, in running the Park Inn. During these years, uh, however, they didn't do much to upgrade the hotel rooms, but the restaurant and bar he established did well. He remodeled it several times over the years and um, it was a pretty popular place. They did convert some of the old hotel rooms into their own residence. So all of them um, lived there um, and worked there over the years. And it kept on being a gathering place for musicians. Um, it's kind of interesting. I interviewed a number of people who remembered the hotel during this year. And uh, one of them was uh, Ramona Buffington um, McCord. Um, during the 50s, she and her mother and her sister all worked at the Park Inn uh, restaurant. And even her brother, Marlon, um, was working there at just 14. Um, and even at that young age, among his jobs was that of a fry cook. And Ramona loves to tell that Marlon had been cooking for Dizzy Gillespie, who was one of the musicians who had come in and ordered a steak. Gillespie wasn't happy with his result and he sent it back to the kitchen. It came back and he sent it back a second time. When Marlon sent it out the third time, it was a message for Gillespie to either eat it or go hungry for a 14 year old to have that kind of, of just against a well-known musician I thought was Kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
in 1950s, we're just entering the civil rights era. And in 1950, the Globe Gazette received a letter uh, to the editor from a man named James Bethel, who wrote of ex his experience in town as a black businessman. Uh, a room had been reserved to him by, for his business, by his business at the Hanford. But when he arrived at the desk, denied him, he was the desk clerk there, denied him a room because he was black wow. and said, well, maybe he could try the park in. Um, he was really cautious about making another try for fear of similar rejection, but he need not have been. He was promptly, as he wrote himself, he was promptly and courteously registered. I was surprised and quite impressed with business as usual display of hospitality. And I continued stopping at the park inn for all of the years I traveled to Mason City thereafter. That's, um, you know, it's a really interesting story that comes out of it that, that shows the times and how things were changing because then going on into the 50s and 60s, the civil rights movement would of course change things. And I am sure that it wouldn't be long before the Hanford would change its policy as well. But um, there were you know, businesses in town besides the Hanford that would not um, allow blacks in, but the park in and, and its rooms and its restaurants was one that did. Um, the hotel suffered um, until, you know, the rooms particularly um, really struggled on until 1972 when the Ellingson family was forced to declare bankruptcy. Um, they just weren't getting enough business for the hotel rooms, which were still 10 by 10, pretty run down with those um, shared bathrooms. And by that time, we were beginning to get to into the motel stage. And so, you know, the big hotels downtown um, we're, we're seeing more competition building up. Um, as the building closed its doors with the Ellingsons, um, it's time as the Park Inn Hotel came to an end. Um, it's interesting to wonder if Park, um, Frank Lloyd Wright ever came back to see the building after it was completed in 1910. We know that sometime in there, he wrote a letter to Aunt Markley asking to come back but we have no evidence that he ever did. If he had, I'm, I'm sure he would have been absolutely horrified because it was the total change in the style and use of the bank and um, had been since we described the changes, you know, that took place um, after the um, bankruptcy of, of that um, in the early twenties and you know, his whole design for the lobby of the hotel had been changed. And the, um, the thing was, was just not being as well maintained as, as it really should have been. And I'm sure he would have been horrified. I think at that time, people kind of forgot that this was a Frank Lloyd Wright building. In fact, Frank Lloyd Wright, after he came back from Europe, was not as highly respected as he had been because he had run off with a wife of a former client and left behind his wife and his own six children. Though by this time his children were grown. But um, I can, like I said, I can imagine him turning over in his grave. 
um, it was um, every so often over the years, somebody would stop and ask to see it because you know they knew it was a Frank Lloyd Wright building, but there were probably more outsiders that paid attention to that than there were people locally. They, they just didn't really pay any attention. And part of that early on, you know, after Wright ran off with Mama Chena and Cheney, uh, the people in Mason City did not regard him well anymore at all. Um, an article had appeared in the Globe Gazette describing his, his running off. And he struggled for a while getting commissions after he came back and uh, suffered the horrible fires at Taliesin where Mima Cheney and her children died. Mm -hmm. And um, it wasn't until he built Falling Water that he really regained his reputation and commissions started pouring back in for him. Um, of course, today we regard him and the prairie style that he used when this hotel was built much more highly than uh, he was there for uh, a few years. Um, and it was, it was interesting when people would keep coming and saying, well, isn't this the building designed by Frank Lloyd Wright? And it was possible that even the, the person at the, at the bar, bar in the lower lobby didn't even know it was a Frank Lloyd Wright building. So, you know, through these years, the hotel had some real problems. And um, in 1972, it was a question of what happens next. And that will be the topic of, of the next uh, podcast. I, I like to imagine because my parents were among the people going to the surf during you know the 30s and the 40s. They actually met at the surf ballroom and at the time, it was on the other side of the street. It was on the lake side. And um, you know, ultimately, that burned, and they built the one that's there now. But um, during those years, the surf had an amazing reputation. And dance halls had just opened across the country. And it was the thing to do. And of course, I wouldn't be here if there wasn't the surf, since that's where my parents uh, met. Did they share any uh, memories of favorite shows or anything? Well, yeah, they did. Um, they really liked uh, the Welk band. And of course, on television later, when Welk started his um, TV show, they wouldn't miss that. Um, they were, uh, they really liked the Dorsey band as well. And so, um, you know, I think they enjoyed those. But I can only imagine those conversations that went on, you know, at the park inn and, and at, among all of those musicians and the hope on the guys, you know, who were local musicians. Okay, I play uh, a clarinet. Is, is Dorsey going to need a clarinet player tonight? Boy, do I hope so. You know, that kind of thing and what they would talk about um, and trying to find gigs in. Uh, this area to play. Uh, so I, I just think that was kind of a fascinating uh, part of its history. Yeah, it's cool to know that the Park Inn was such a go-to spot for the local music scene. It is, it is. And, um, you know, then I, I was really fascinated too by the 1950s story of the Black gentleman who 
didn't get accepted at the Hanford. You know, you don't really think of Mason City as, um, you know, a place where there would have been that kind of discrimination. Right, especially since Iowa is being a northern state. But then again, that that makes it all the more important to know that that was a part of Mason City and northern Iowa's history, too. It is. It is. I'm going to be doing a class for lifelong learning um, this fall on racism in Iowa. And it tells, you know, we all think, okay, we were a free state. Everything was great. And that's not quite the real truth. So um, I love this example and will include it in my um, class when I'm, I'm doing that class at NIAC. So um, I just, it is in, in one way, it is so sad that, you know, the hotel was so drastically changed and really went out of style so quickly. And, you know, that the bank building was completely changed and showed almost nothing of uh, Wright's style. And, and yet at the same time, you know, the bank building served Mason City through these years um, as a really good retail center um, in the um, 50s. My dentist was in an office above the retail space there in uh, that building, you know, where there were clothing stores and things down below. And of course, you know, it wasn't until I think 1936, about 34, somewhere in there that Dillinger robbed the bank across the street. And I've heard stories from people who had offices in that upper floor of the bank building who watched the whole thing with you know the cars and the guns and the hostages and the whole bit from their windows wow. on the north side of the uh, former bank building. I think that um, we've got some exciting things coming up. And as you know, this is the 10th year anniversary of the original or of the grand opening of the remodeled building into the Historic Park Inn Hotel, doing these podcasts. Uh, thank you to the Globe Gazette because um, you know it's helping us tell the story. Um, and we're opening back up for tours. And we also um, offer the walking tours of Rock Crest Rock Glen. And um, you know, now that the virus is, is easing up just a little bit, um, you know, we're planning for, for a greater variety of things and we'll have something going on the weekend of, uh, you know, that weekend, probably on September 12th with activities to celebrate that 10 year opening. Awesome. And where can people go or where can they call to find out more information about those things? Well, first of all, look at the website, www.rightonthepark.com. That's, that's the best spot to look for. And it, then it gives you the phone number and the address and everything. We're sort of excited about the remodeling that's going on because the right on the park office and gift shop has been a little hard to find. You know, it's on the plaza right across from Laredo's, but um, there were no front windows, just the door. 
but with the new uh, performing arts pavilion that's going in there, they have knocked out the wall and put in a big display window that will be a part of um, a remodeled office for right on the park. And we are hoping that, you know, as that all gets going as, you know, a family activity center and with the pavilions and all of the things that are, that are happening in downtown Mason City, that there will be a lot more people walking by and looking in our window and stopping in. Very nice. I'm sure that'll be a big help. Yes. Yeah, we're excited about that. So there's some wonderful things happening in Mason City. You know, because of COVID, they closed the restaurant, the 1910 Grill, and um, took the opportunity to have some reworking done in the kitchen. But they have been serving meals in Skylight Room. And you had to make reservations and, and you could eat there in the Sky Room, which was the original dining room for the hotel. And it's... Uh, sounded like they were doing it up pretty grandly for this time period when they were completing the work on the kitchen and were having less customers because of, of COVID. Yeah, one of our reporters, Jared McNett, actually had gone over there and dined in the Skylight dining room. Um, and he said it was quite the experience. So a nice treat during all yeah. this remodeling over there. Yes, yeah. And you know, a way for them to offer something unique and different to draw people during a time when drawing people, you know, I'm sure the number of people staying at the hotel has dropped. And, and so they're doing everything they can to, to uh, keep their business going as successfully as possible. And like they, like all of us, I'm sure we'll be so glad when we're back to normal and can go out to eat and do everything we want to do without worrying about getting this terrible COVID uh, virus. Just a little bit more patience and we'll probably be there soon enough. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Um, all of this is detailed in one of our books. Um, in fact, more details than we are able to give you on um, the podcasts. Um, the first book that, that we worked on was um, just called the Historic Park Inn Hotel and City National Bank. And it tells the, the whole history of the bank up until the, um, uh, they started the um, restoration process. And so um, it's got some great pictures, some great old pictures of the things that, that were there. Um, and then when, when we opened, we did um, a book called Write Again, and it has all of the pictures of the restored building. And those are available at Right on the Park and the photography in them. And, you know, it shows all, the, all of the different things in, in it and talks about the uh, restoration process. So it's uh, both are great books for people who want to give a little bit more information. Joanne Hardinger is going to talk to you about what happened next month. She's going to be talking to you about what happened after 1972 in the hotel and, um, you know, the efforts that were made um, from then until right on the park was formed to try to figure out what to do with it. Um, you know, the city was 
you know, at one point even considered absolutely tearing down the hotel section because it was in such bad shape. Um, but instead, there were several other efforts made and the city spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out what it was going to do about that downtown building. Because as you know, downtown really dropped with all of the uh, business going out to the um, west side of town and um, the city council had been constantly looking for ways to upgrade downtown Mason City. And one of the um, right experts that had come in and talked about it said, okay, this is a Frank Lloyd Wright building. It's a national treasure. If you found a Picasso in your attic and it was a little dirty, would you throw it away? Uh, probably not. And you know that comparison made people sit up and listen and think maybe there was something in Mason City worth, worth keeping, even though it was old and not in particularly good shape. So, you know, the next few stories of what happens and then of the, the remodeling and, and restoration process uh, are fascinating ones. And I feel so fortunate to have been a part of it. It's, it's been such an exciting time and to do the research about what it was and everything it went through, it's amazing it survived. It's absolutely amazing that it survived, but I'm sure glad it did because now it's giving Mason City a name. You know, when people come from 50 different countries to, to stay in the hotel and be there and from all 50 states um, and to know that all the hard work paid off, it, it's, it's, it's so gratifying. I think the, the last thing to say is to they stay tuned for Joanne telling you more next month. Yes, for sure. And once again, thanks for joining us. This episode was full of so many interesting stories and there are definitely more of those to come. Yes, there sure are. This has been 2021, 10 successful years of the historic park Inn. We'll be back next month for yet another highly anticipated episode. Until then.